What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. How's it going, everyone? This is Adam Frommel here with Dan Favale and Andy Bailey with another episode of The Hardwood Knocks. Today's topic, we're moving back to the Eastern Conference to talk about the Detroit Pistons. Uh, last year, they started the season with kind of a, uh, a clump of players in the front court. They had Josh Smith, Greg Monroe, and Andre Drummond. Didn't work out very well. Monroe's gone to Milwaukee now. Josh Smith was waived midway through the year. He is with the Clippers now. Um, instead, Detroit seems to be channeling their uh, their inner 2009-2010 Orlando Magic under Stan Van Gundy, hoping to climb up the ladder in the Eastern Conference. Do we think they can do that? Dan? Oh, absolutely. Andy was saying this before we got on. It was just like they're another one of those Eastern Conference teams where you could easily see them falling into the skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. The oblivion and, and winning like 30, 35 games, but if they stay healthy and they're able to play they, the way they want to play, where they're just going to run it, those one-in, four-out lineups and space the floor, shoot threes, and try and score pick and rolls, they could end up winning 45 games in the East. And I'm not even kidding. They played like one of the better teams during the second half of last season, or at least after the trade deadline my concern will be biggest concern for them in terms of moving up they need Reggie Jackson to be an elite point guard I'm not sure if he is one they, they gave him elite money and he played phenomenal basketball down the stretch last year he was hitting threes he was scoring off the catch he looked great but can he do that over the course of an entire season and I have my doubts there and the other thing would be Andre Drummond's got to develop in the post a little bit better they were force feeding him last year but he was not efficient 
at all. And you really need to see him mature because he's still sort of this raw project, like when he came out of UConn. He's visibly more polished, but we're talking about him getting a max extension because he's a per 100 possessions superhero. But can he be this impactful player on a really good team in the East? So those are the two names, two questions that I'm really looking at with this team next season. I think those are probably the two most important names. Um, I was very vocal in skewering the Pistons um, when they grabbed Reggie Jackson. I didn't like the deal. I thought he was super inefficient. Um, I I didn't like the way he played on the Thunder. And I didn't like the way he played on the Pistons for the first, I don't know, maybe a week or so that he was there. But if you pull up his splits, um, and Adam or Dan mentioned how good he was down the stretch. Um, but in 15 games in March, he averaged 17.5 points and 9.2 assists. Eight games in April, he averages 18.6 points and 10.5 assists. Um, he was awesome. He was, sh- he was shooting well from beyond the arc too, right? During yeah, let time. me look at those real quick. He, in March, he thought, shot 39% from three. Down to 30 in April, but in the aggregate, he was um, 33.7 post-All-Star break. Not great, but as our listeners probably know, 33% from three is 50% from two. Um, so that's good enough for a slashing point guard like Reggie Jackson. I like him if a I lot If I could now. interject for Go one ahead. second, he also shot during his time with the Pistons, 27 games, 45.2% on catch-and-shoot threes, and that was while he was taking averaging more than one per game. So that that's was plenty, pretty That's I think, for his role. Um, so I'm I'm actually really high on Reggie Jackson, which is I mean that's that's a complete 180 for me, and I'm willing to admit that I was dead wrong about that. Um, as for on, <laughs> as for Drummond, I don't I don't really know if he needs to add a ton of uh, post game because I I mean I think he can be a very effective player if he's just sort of like a DeAndre Jordan Tyson Chandler type of guy who is a great finisher in pick and rolls who will clean up offensive rebounds. I think he does need to improve as a free-throw shooter, um, which the same could be said of DeAndre, obviously. Um, but I think that him sucking the defense into the paint with his, with his dives in the pick-and-roll and his offensive rebounding just to create space for guys like Ilya Sova, Reggie Jackson, Jody Meeks, some of those other guys, I think that's enough for him offensively. I mean, I mean it wouldn't hurt to have a couple post moves, obviously, uh, but I don't really think it's critical for the team's overall success. So I agree with almost everything that you guys are saying, and I guess the, the biggest disagreement is that Drummond doesn't need to develop in the post, and then when Dan said that his biggest question um, was just what are you going to get out of Jennings and Drummond, uh, the biggest question for me is who's going to score for this team? You know, they've got, a lot of, they've got a lot of fun pieces. I like this roster. I don't see go-to scores. You know, Reggie Jackson is going to get points, especially if he plays like he did at the end of the year. But beyond that, you have a lot of complementary pieces. You've got floor spacing options like Meeks and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Uh, you have other guys in the front court, front court who can create their own – uh, sorry, who can, who can space the court with jumpers. But I don't know who you have that's going to, to create their own shot on a consistent basis outside of the point guards. And that isn't really a recipe for success, I don't think. Well, was, I think that's part of the reason. I'll go ahead, Bales. I was going to say, if we go back to the 2009-2010 Magic, um, I guess Hido was or Hido was kind of able to create his own shot. He was a good point forward. And, I and Nelson and, and Dwight could, too. I mean, we, we knocked Dwight for not being very good in the post, but even though he has a very limited arsenal, he still scored a lot of points. 
Yeah, for sure. But I think he still did. I mean, he, yeah, he had some post moves he went to, but, um, and I could be wrong. I would have to go back and look at this, but I think the majority of his points came off easy stuff. Like I was talking about, right? Like pick and roll, finishing offensive rebounding, stuff like that. Um, so maybe they don't have a point forward like Hito, but I, I think they can get enough creativity out of Reggie Jackson. Um, I know the, the, the history of Achilles injuries is, is pretty rough, but maybe Brandon Jennings could be a good spark off the bench. Um, so I think, I mean, I would agree with you to a point, maybe they do need at least one guy on the wing who can kind of alleviate some of that pressure from the guards. Okay. So, so answer this for me then. Brandon Jennings is not a perfect point guard. We know that. I mean, Agreed. sorry, Reggie Jackson. Reggie Agreed Jackson. On both. <laughs> not a, yeah, exactly. Not a not a perfect point guard. Played a lot better during the second half of the year. So he's going to have off nights next season. When he isn't on his game, what is this team going to do? Like, how how can they actually score enough points to stay competitive if he isn't at peak level? Go ahead, Dan. Uh, I was just going to say I think that's why Drummond developing a post game. Is so important. And I think the other thing he's going to need to learn to do, even if Andy was saying you just want him to be that dive guy on pick and rolls, dude's got to pass better. Because a lot of the offense true. Is, is built on those collapses, whether it's in pick and rolls or in post-ups. Success, you need the big man to at least be able to pass out of the post enough. Even if he's not generating assists, maybe it's a hockey assist. And I think that's what Dwight Howard, during his prime in Orlando, was a little bit better at. He never yeah. really found the guy that was open, but he at least kicked it out. And they need that from Drummond because he just puts his head down and has staring contests with the floor way too much. And I think Reggie Jackson's probably a better shot creator than Adam might be giving him credit for. Uh, No, I I, I think he's fine. I think he's a good shot creator. I just think he's the only one. I think right now I I would make an argument, and again, it would be a very loose argument, for KCP is probably a little bit underrated in that department. I think right now you'd have to go to him, but... For what you said about Jackson when he's off, I think that's why it's so important that Drummond really flashes more versatility and self-sufficiency on the offensive end. Yeah, so just to, just to drive home what Dan is saying, because those, those Magic teams of the past were so reliant on passing out of the post, Drummond was one of 10 players last season who had an assist percentage below 4% uh, while qualifying in minutes. And the other nine were Carl Landry, Jason Maxiel, DeAndre Jordan, Jonas Valanciunas, Alex Len, Tyler Hansborough, Tristan Thompson, Bismack Biombo, and Dwayne Dedman. That's not a list of players you want to be associated with, and I'm not sure you really want one of those guys to be serving as a pivot for your offense. So unless they're going to be able, to, unless unless he's able to really improve substantially in a quick time, that's problematic. And I would argue that that's probably more important than him developing a post game. I will glad before I say anything else. Let me just. Mentioned that I would gladly be on any list with Tyler Hansbro, Adam. <laughs> you said that nobody would want to. All right, um, but I agree with you guys. I, uh, especially in today's NBA, with how important three pointers uh, are becoming, you have to have somebody in the post who will at least look up and pose a threat to um, to kick it out. I think that is that's true. That's very important, and I probably undersold that a little bit when I said he doesn't necessarily have to expand his arsenal that much. Um, I You're just really high on Aaron Baines, that's why. <laughs> well, we have another podcast, I don't remember, but we talked about Aaron Baines. I was the only one who thought that was an overpay, I think. Yep. <laughs> what do you guys, kind of shifting gears, um, what do you guys think about Stanley Johnson? I'm super excited about him now that I saw how raw Justice Winslow looked in the summer league. When I first saw the draft, I really wanted... 
um, the Pistons to draft Winslow. He can play the three, so he could have operated next to KCP. I like the fact that he drew a lot of comparisons down the line to Jimmy Butler. But Stanley Johnson is a phenomenal defender, and he's going to end up defending some power forwards because of how physical he is. And his three-point shot has improved a lot in a short amount of time. I don't know if it's sustainable, but again, if you're going to be able to get him open threes, which you do have a threat in Jackson and KCP, and you have a lot of shooters at the four, so maybe he will get a lot of wide-open looks, he could be a quintessential high-end 3-and-D guy, and he could be that right away. I am totally on board with everything you just said, and it's one of the reasons that I'm pretty high on the defensive potential of this team in general. You know, I think he's going to make an immediate impact on that end. If Kentavious Caldwell-Pope develops, you know, he was a good defender at Georgia. That was one of his biggest strengths. And we know that Andre Drummond has the physical tools to protect the rim, even though it's been a struggle at times. And you throw in his quick hands and passing lanes. And this could be a really, really interesting defensive team that forces a lot of turnovers and gets a lot of transition buckets, which could help that offense that doesn't really have too many shot creators. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all that, too. And you brought up uh, Pope and Drummond. I was going to try to look up all their wingspans on Draft Express, but I think I, I can just safely Let's say, just say it's long. There's a lot of long players. Jay Billis would be happy. Yeah. Um, Pope is 6'8", it looks like. Um, and that was back in 2013, so it could be an inch or two longer now. I think Reggie Jackson's like 6'9", which is crazy for a point guard. Um, Stanley Johnson's got great size for the three. I really love the potential defensively, too. I also like the potential that Johnson has um, offensively um, to become possibly sort of that new playmaking combo forward, a guy like Draymond Green, um, Kawhi Leonard, one of those guys. Um, he, he has that sort of mold and that sort of potential, which I think is becoming a very important position in the NBA. Oh, most definitely. And I think you can even say, I don't want to put it like this. It's his offensive game that probably needs the most work because you just, I watched him defend and he already has, if you're going to look at perimeter guys who are probably capable of defending at the level of Kwai and Draymond and being that versatile, it's definitely him. I don't want to say he has defensive player of the year, potential but he almost does because of how well, he does similar he is to some of those guys yeah but and i think that's why i'm so excited about him is because he's already there defensively pretty much and if he can if his offense can continue coming together like it seems like it has been they're going to be a dangerous team but is anyone kind of ex- excited or interested to see what maybe stan van gundy can get out of these i don't want to call them castaways but that's what they essentially are i'm just looking at this roster and the system that they run in terms of those driving kicks or just kicking it out from the post, there are a lot of guys who might be able to find just success, like Reggie Bullock or Marcus Morris. Sure. Or could could sure. they get anything out of Danny Granger? But here's, here's the thing now. like In Stan Van Gundy's first year, he was a GM and a coach simultaneously, but he was in his first year as both. Now this roster is his. Like He didn't draft Drummond, but almost every other piece he's acquired now. You know, All these guys, he either drafted, for them, drafted them, traded for them, in the middle of the season or during the offseason, he picked them up in free agency. So these are, these are the pieces that he wants to a certain extent, of course. I'm sure he would have rather gotten other guys in some cases. But you know, this, is, this is actually a roster that's tailored to what he wants to do now, which is probably why it reminds us so much of those old Magic teams he used to run with the four out, one in. Yeah, and I, I really like that because I think those Magic teams were sort of on the cutting edge of what we see in the NBA now. 
um, yep. they sort of generated this, um, I won't say three happy, but maybe like three centric offenses. I think Ersan Ilyasova um, can be a lot like Richard Lewis, uh, maybe even a better rebounder than Lewis was. But Anthony he'll, Tolliver. Tolliver can do a little bit of that too. That's true. Marcus Morris can maybe be that guy. Um, I think the one thing that maybe is missing that Dan brought up earlier is is maybe just kind of a point forward kind of guy like Hito Turkaloo. I don't know if that could be Stanley Johnson eventually. I don't think it is now, but um, I don't know, somebody like that. And, and Dan actually has something to interject with. So go ahead. Um, Adam, 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 yes. Sorry. Adam yeah, does. Yeah. yeah. My bad. Um, I just want to shout out Jody Meeks real fast because we're just glossing past him. Yeah. You know, we're talking about so many other guys on the roster, but he's a really talented shooter who brings a lot to the table. And while their, their run after they, they waived Josh Smith w- was partially attributed to, to Smith no longer being on the roster, it also coincided with him coming back from injury. You know, he, he has the potential to be a big impact player. The team's a lot better with him on the floor. And I, I really like that combination with him and KCP out on the wing is looking to create space. This team, the Go more ahead, that Dan. I look at it, is like the Celtics with potential franchise cornerstones already on the roster. Like we look at the Celtics and they're sort of a mess of, of this talent and versatility. And you look at the Pistons and they're kind of the same way, except you can say, okay, these two players are, are at least supposed to be your franchise guys. And that might make them even more exciting because you have those more established roles in place. But just looking at their depth chart and all this talent they have, they can easily run 10, 11 guys deep on any given night because they're playing so well with them. It's funny you say that, and I, I kind of agree. Um, but the reason it's funny is we're, we're saying the Pistons are like the Celtics, except they already have their potential franchise cornerstones. Are the Pistons going to win more games than the Celtics this year? Well, I think... <laughs> I, do, I don't think so. So isn't well, that kind of weird? Like, I, yeah, I agree. I was... It's just a weird... What I was going to say is I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. It was like Dan was saying earlier. I I honestly think I could probably name like six or seven Eastern Conference teams um, that could be anywhere from like 45 to 30 wins. Um, It's it's just really hard to project. And I don't think it's crazy to think that the Pistons could, um, you know, if, if Van Gundy's system clicks with all these guys and they embrace their roles, if Drummond is a star now that he's the lone guy in the paint, um, I could see them maybe having one or two games better than ben, than the Celtics. I I think it's a definite possibility. I think the thing in the end that may keep them from w- winning as many games as the Celtics or more than the Celtics will be that Brad Stevens has shown he can craft an okay defense around a, a team that doesn't have a rim protector. And Stan Van Gundy's never shown that. And Andre Drummond blocks a ton of shots, but he's not the best rim protector. Like, his stats there are iffy because he can't defend off the dribble. He's not a great help defender. He actively chases those blocks at points. And he's really easy to fool off pick and rolls. So if they're not going to – I don't think they're going to be as good of a defensive team, and that will probably be their downfall. Their offensive potential is probably a lot higher but their defensive potential to me I don't think is anywhere near as high as the Celtics who aren't going to be as good on the defensive end to begin with. Because I don't. you look at the Pistons, who's their lockdown perimeter defender? You have Stanley Johnson. Who else? I actually think like physical raw tools, they have a ton of defensive potential. It goes back to what I was saying easier, or earlier. There's a lot of length um, on this team. And whether or not Stan Van Gundy can um, 
can get them playing defense the right way maybe remains to be seen. But just from a physical standpoint, I love the idea of a team that has like three three guards slash wings who have like a six nine six ten wingspan, and then Andre Drummond is huge. Um, the only real potential problem I would see in that kind of a lineup is maybe Ursan Ilyasova, but I think with all the length around him, you can hide um, maybe some of his shortcomings. And even he's pretty long, right? Yeah, he's a big guy. I just don't know how mobile he is. No, he's not. Yeah, but but he, I mean, he can at least like clog the paint behind Drummond if Drummond has to rotate out and try and get a weak side block or something. Yeah, I think I like the defensive potential of this roster more than the offensive as well. You know, there there are pieces at every position. Yeah, I'm not. I'm definitely not with you guys there. Look, we finally disagree on something. We're always in agreement. (laughs) I just, I, I I get what you guys are saying with the raw tools. But I'm just looking at what some of these guys have done, and if you're trying to argue that they're going to be a drastically improved defensive team, I just don't see it, at least not yet. You have Stanley Johnson's probably still going to need a year to acclimate himself, even though we can argue he's already there. But he's already probably their best overall defender, and that could be an issue. I just Reggie Jackson has that athleticism and speed to be good on the defensive end, and people tend to call him a good defender. He's not. He doesn't put that effort in. On the, def- uh, on the defensive end like he does on offense. I don't know if he's trying to conserve energy. He doesn't do well off switches, and that's going to be an issue for them there because of how talent-stocked the point guard position is. And if you don't have Drummond improving as a rim protector to a point where he can serve as the fulcrum of a top-tier defense or at least you know a top-half defense, that's going to be an issue for them as well too. I-, I get what you guys are saying with the raw tools, but it- it's almost like they're too raw for me to envision them being good or there's at least not enough evidence or proven talent there for me to think that they're going to be even 15th in defensive efficiency at this point. So I, I kind of want to put you on the spot after that and just ask you how many wins you think they're going to end up getting. I hate answering these questions uh, for these teams in the Eastern Conference that are in that cluster of what could be, but I do think they're going to be an above 500 team, 500 oh. to above 500 because of the offense because of what Stan Van Gundy's shown with coaching, I just think if we're going to... I'm I'm really high on the Celtics, so I guess that's where my argument against their defense is coming from. But I think they're going to get 42, 43 wins, and I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they're going to get 45. I would say high 30s would be my realistic prediction. And I think, I think they could, like I said earlier, I think they could get to like 45, 46. Um, but just... just kind of play it safe. I'm going to say high 30s and like ninth or 10th in the East. I think there's so going you to don't... be a... Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm I was just, just going to say follow. I think there's going to be an intense battle for the 8th seed in the East, just like there will be in the West, only there will be about 10 fewer wins uh, for the battle in the, in the East. Yeah, I agree that I think the wins are going to be distributed more, so maybe that could curb their improvement. But do you honestly, you don't see this team... Without a doubt, you know, barring a serious injury, winning more games than they did last year. I mean, they they rattled off thirty eight. That was no, with a terrible. They only start. they only won thirty two last year. Oh wait, I'm looking at the wrong. Oh, expected. Excuse me. They were all right. Never mind. Yeah, so I, I would say the they still win like at least five or six more games than they did last season. Yeah, I, I'm exactly where Andy is. Thirty eight, maybe the potential to get up to forty five, and ultimately finishing in ninth place in the East. I actually don't think it's going to be that close of a fight, though. I think that the Pacers are pretty significantly superior to them. I know Dan and I disagree strongly on that one, but we're going to hold off on that until the Pacers podcast. 
Um, but I, I think they're they're ninth by a couple games. I actually got Man. ripped on Twitter uh, a couple weeks ago for leaving the Pacers out of the playoffs. Well, those people are stupid because you're totally right. <laughs> so it sounds like we'll have some some very good uh, talking points when the Pacers come up. But we are not on the Pacers. We are on the Pistons, and we That's actually right. are done with the Pistons because it is time for... Bacon! Bacon! Where's the bacon? I smell bacon! 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 Gotta be bacon! Only one thing smells like bacon! That's bacon! Yes, that's right. It is time for What's Burns My Bacon. And today, we have a special treat because Adam is going to be taking the burning bacon stick again, even though he did so in the Denver Nuggets podcast. So take it away, Mr. Frommel. Yeah, I just want to use this platform to talk about Johnny Manziel. And I'm kind of neutral on him as a person. You know, made a lot of dumb mistakes as a college kid. Who didn't? But he's a fun football player. You know, like when he was at Texas A&M, we would all tune into the games just to see what kind of crazy thing he was going to do. And it's bumming me out and making me upset that he has this elbow injury now that's going to keep him out for a couple preseason games. Uh, that's all we knew at the time we recorded this, this podcast. It, it really is going to set him back in terms of his ability to win that job for the Browns and actually get to play in front of us during the regular season because I have no interest in watching Josh McCown play quarterback anymore. I, just, I don't need to see that at any point. I don't care if Manziel is going to be good or bad, but at least he's going to be fun to watch. So, you know, injuries always suck. I really don't like the timing of this one. I hope that they do shut him down so he doesn't alter his mechanics and have a more long-term injury. But at the same time, he needs to play to earn his job. It's just a bad situation. You know when the Browns were cool? When they had... <laughs> Ever? <laughs> when they had Peyton Hillis. He was awesome <laughs> for that, like, Rebuilding since 1964, <laughs> I think the saying goes. <laughs> <laughs> I was in uh, when I lived in North Carolina. One of my friends was like a diehard Browns fan, and I could the passion was just like tangible coming off of him, and I just felt so bad. Can't imagine. Yeah, they suck. They're <laughs> one of the worst run organizations ever. <laughs> I can't imagine being a fan, um, and I apologize to any Browns Browns fans. Out I there. do not. <laughs> All right, send your hate tweets to Dan. <laughs> um, yes, at Andrew D Bailey. <laughs> Well, since I get to close, I can clarify that. Um, <laughs> if you want to send a hate tweet to Dan, or if you want to send a nice tweet to Dan, uh, you, can f- <laughs> you can find him at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E, on Twitter. Adam is at Frommel09, F-R-O-M-A-L-09, and I am at Andrew D. Bailey. And, of course, all three of us are at Hardwood Knox. Um, Find us at any of those those handles. Tweet us your thoughts about the Pistons, uh, what you guys think their record might be, any questions you have about the NBA in general. And as always, shout out to Bina Udri. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> In fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. 
$30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port of number not currently active on T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.